0: Are you ready to hear the word? Yes. Amen. Okay, go to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two, verse four, four or verse one. Hebrews two one says, "Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip." So notice here it says that we should give earnest heed to the things that we have heard. You know, in, in the book of Acts, uh, we have an example of two different groups of people and how they approach the Word of God. James says that when, you, uh, that when you hear the Word, you're to receive it with meekness, to receive the engrafted Word with meekness, which is able to save your soul. Well, we see in the book of Acts chapter 17, uh, Paul writes about a certain group of people from, uh, from Berea, the Bereans he calls them. And it says that they receive the word of God with all readiness of mind and search the Scriptures daily. Say daily. daily. Now that goes that goes in, in accord in agreement with uh, what uh, what God spoke to Joshua in Joshua one eight. It says, "Do not let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do." Everybody say to do. To do. All that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. See, understand that God doesn't prosper you. God doesn't give you success. You, through the Word of God, make your own way successful. Because through the blood of Jesus, through His redemption, He already purchased your success. He already purchased your victory. He already purchased your prosperity. But it's up to you to take the Word of God and receive it with meekness, not let it depart out of your mouth, meditate therein day and night so that you'll do it. And when you do the Word of God, the result is that your way is made prosperous and you have good success. Can anybody say amen? amen. How many of you want your way to be successful? Amen. amen. Do you want to, have a, uh, do you want to uh, uh, live a life of prosperity? Amen? That's the will of God for all men, is that we live that way. So uh, it's important that that we have this uh, mentality that the Word of God is important in our life, that it's a priority in our life, that it's the final authority in our life. So the Bereans, they received the Word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the Scriptures daily what was said to them. Now, on the contrary, he writes concerning the Athenians, And it says that they were always looking for something new. They always wanted to hear something different. They were always looking for for the the new great doctrine or the new great revival or the new thing that's happening. And he said that he perceived that they were extremely superstitious. They They were very religious. So we have two completely different mindsets concerning the Word of God. Amen? Which do you think is better? The first one, because because if you look at the the context and the entirety of the Word of God, we see that we are asked by God to receive the Word of God with meekness, with all readiness of mind, and to search the Scriptures daily. So he says here that we are to give a more earnest... A more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. And what's amazing is in the world that we live in, with the technology that we have, we we have the opportunity of not just hearing a message one time. Amen? Amen. We have the opportunity to hear it over and over and over again. You know, uh, uh, let me use this as an example because I I believe that uh, it's important that... um, uh, the membership of a church are in agreement with the leadership of the church. Do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Let me use this as an example. <laughs> if, if I were to, to, to tell, tell my... What, what's your name again, brother? Irv. Earl? Irv. Irv. Okay, let's say I ask Irv let, to, to meet me for coffee tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock at, uh, at Starbucks on what street? Olberg. Overland. Okay, Starbucks on Overland. Okay, where's another Starbucks? Franklin. Starbucks on Franklin. Okay, so we're going to meet at 9 o'clock at Starbucks on Overland. Did I say that right? Okay. And so uh, Irv goes to Starbucks on Overland, and I go to Starbucks on Franklin. We're both there at 9 o'clock. Are we going to have fellowship? Why? Huh? <laughs> you guys are smart people. Yeah, we're 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 at different locations. Amen. We're not going to have communication that way. And you know, when God speaks to your pastor and He's directing him to teach on a certain subject in 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 church, and God's leading him to to speak into your life prophetically, because you know, much of what's delivered from the pulpit is is uh, is inspired by uh, prophecy. Because prophecy isn't just necessarily you saying, thus says the Lord, my little children, or God says this. Much Much of what's said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in teaching and preaching is actually prophecy. And the Bible says if you believe the word of the prophet or if you believe the prophetic word, that prophetic word will propel you into new dimensions of success in your life. And so if God speaks to your pastor and He's teaching on something specific on Sunday and Saturday night, then Monday through Friday you should be studying the very same thing. Why? Because if God's speaking to him to speak to you as the body, that's what He wants to be emphasized in the local church for that time. So if if He's ministering on healing then you should be doing everything you can to gather information. Take His message that He preaches on Sunday and just begin to listen to it over and over throughout the week. Find books and look at scriptures that emphasize that same thing. Because, see, what the Holy Spirit does is He has an appointment with you around what He's been speaking to the pastor about. Amen? That's what what, uh, uh, Paul is talking about and James is talking about when he says receive with all readiness of mind the Scriptures and search them daily. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Uh, 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 Give the most earnest heed to the things which you have heard lest at any time you should let them slip. See, it's not really profitable to hear something one time. Right? It's it's, uh, it's the hearing and the hearing and the hearing and the hearing of the Word that produces the faith that changes our life. Amen? He talks here in Hebrews chapter 5. He's writing again and he says, uh, uh, he's, t- he's speaking to these Christians and he says, For when? For the time you ought to be teachers. In other words, by this time in your Christian development you ought to be taking what you know and giving it to somebody else. you know that's that's the goal. Amen is that you didn't, don't don't just get real fat spiritually. right We got a lot of spiritual michelin men walking around the church right? Weeble wobbles. instead they fall down and don't get back up right? So it's it's important. He says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, yet you have need that someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. So in other words, because they didn't take what they heard and pass it on to people that they came in contact with, they slipped. They're no longer walking in it. They have need to hear it again. Amen? So what do we learn here? We learn that we need to continually give heed to the things that we hear and for them to be the greatest benefit to us is that we take them and we give them to people that we come in contact with. Amen? Now go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. So we see that the word of God is to be the final authority in our life. We, got, we received a, a word during the offering. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. See, fear is a force just like faith is a force. It's contrary to faith. It's opposite of faith. It'll destroy your faith. Amen? See, you have to understand that more faith is not always the answer. You trying to get more faith isn't always the answer to your problem. Because the disciples in Luke chapter 17 came to Jesus and said, Jesus, give us more faith. We're going to need more faith if we're going to forgive like you want us to forgive. So pray for us, Jesus, so that we can have a greater deposit, a greater infusion, a greater impartation of faith. And how did Jesus respond to them? He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now what does that that symbolize? A very small measure, a very insignificant measure of faith. He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain, it shall be removed and be cast into the sea, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So, I'm not saying that more faith isn't important, but more faith isn't always necessary for you to achieve the success that you're looking for. Because Jesus said the smallest measure of faith, mustard seed faith, can cause a mountain, which is symbolic of the problem that you're facing, to be cast into the sea. And just like Pastor Mark said, your mountain, your problem needs to hear your voice. Yes. Yes. Because your mountain will talk to you. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember when we first built our church in, in Italy. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord said, He said, if you, if you build it, I'll send the people. Well, they didn't start coming right away. I thought they were going to come the moment I opened the door. So I bought 300 chairs. We have five people sitting in 300 chairs. One year passes, we have seven people in 300 chairs. So I started giving chairs away. But I remember I would would have to walk through the sanctuary to get to my office. And those chairs would talk to me. Did you know chairs can talk? Does your body ever talk to you? Does your bank account talk to you? Does your pocketbook talk to you? Does your 401k talk to you? Does your head talk to you? Yeah, problems talk. But see, Jesus' solution to a talking problem is a talking believer. For whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Amen? So your problem needs to hear your voice. And so I walked day after day past those chairs and they talk to me. They'd say, "Well, don't you know you're in Italy? You're never we're never going to be full. This is always going to be an empty church. No one'll ever come here." They they literally talked to me. I heard them. And so one day I'm sitting in my office after listening to that week after week and I sat down in my desk chair and I heard a voice. And I knew it was God. He said, are you going to let those chairs talk to you like that? I said, what? I thought I was going crazy. And so I just went on doing my study, and I heard a voice again. Are you going to let those chairs talk to you like that? I thought, what is that? That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Chairs talking to me? I mean, I didn't, I mean, I didn't associate the two things together. Now I recognized they were talking to me. A third time, I heard the Lord say, are you going to let those chairs talk to you? And finally, I understood what he's saying. So I walked out into the sanctuary, and I started screaming at those chairs. <laughs> if, someone have, if someone would have looked into that church, they would have thought I had gone crazy. So I just started talking to those chairs. I started prophesying to them. I commanded them to be full. I commanded them to be filled with tithers and givers and faithful people. Amen? And we started that church uh, uh, eight years ago. And two Sundays ago, every every chair was filled. We had to bring extra ones. See, your problem needs to hear your voice. I didn't just talk to those chairs one day. Talked to them for years. I got the church people talking to chairs. <laughs> we all started talking to the chairs. We took, we took time every Sunday and I had them walk and lay their hands on the chairs. Say, you're crazy. Well, It's all right, I'm crazy. Amen. Crazy in faith. Amen. See, you have to understand that it's not necessarily more faith that you need. Remember in uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, I think it's verse 3, the Bible says that God has given unto each of us the measure of faith. Right? You familiar with that scripture? He didn't say a measure, he said the measure. In other words, the, the moment you got born again, God sowed a seed, say seed, seed, on the inside of you. I call it a seed of dominion, a seed of greatness. A measure of faith He sowed into your heart, And He said that that measure of faith, that mustard seed measure of faith. I believe every single one of us, the day we got born again, He sowed into our spirit that mustard seed measure of faith. Why do you say so little? Because it, o- it only takes a little to move a mountain. So it can take a little to change and transform your life. But see, here's what the enemy does. He brings all kinds of enemies that will be like leeches that will try to destroy your faith. Fear is one of them. That's why Paul said, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Because if you yield to fear, it doesn't matter how much faith you have, you'll fail. Amen? Amen? We saw in Mark 11:23 that doubt is an enemy of faith. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. So doubt is an enemy of faith. Worry is an enemy of faith. You know, all worrying is doing is dreaming in the negative. It's you believing and embracing and thinking about something that contradicts the will and Word of God. Amen. See, the devil knows that he's defeated. The devil knows that Jesus came to destroy His works. The devil knows that you have been given power and authority over all of His works. Ephesians chapter chapter 1, verses 17 through 12. 20 or so, it says that God give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they might know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to them who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised Him from the dead and set Him at your own right hand in heavenly places far above. Everybody say far above. above. See, the authority that you have been given by Jesus Christ, the head of the church, is far above. Everybody say far above five times. Well, what is far far above? It's far above. Far above what? Far above every principality and every power and every might and every dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Glory to God. See, the devil knows that. He knows that he's defeated. He knows that you have the victory that overcomes him and the world. So his his only weapon is deception. I mean, think about this. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God made Adam and Eve in His own image, after His own likeness. Gave him dominion. Gave him authority uh, over all the works of his hands. Made him just like himself. And then Satan comes into the garden and he finds Eve. And what does he say to Eve? Did God really say? You know, if you if you eat of this fruit, you'll be just like God. You'll know what God knows. But the lie is, the deception is, that they're already like God. They've already been made in the image and the likeness of God. See, the devil's trying to sell them something that they already have. That would be like the vacuum cleaner salesman coming to your house and trying to sell you a... What is the brand they sell at the door? A Hoover? Kirby. Kirby. Trying to sell you a Kirby when you just bought one last week. You wouldn't do that. But that's what the devil does. He comes and he tries to convince you and sell something to you that you already have ownership of. Then he comes to Jesus. Same thing. He says, if you be the Son of God. Well, Jesus was the Son of God. Right? But see, he's trying to sow doubt, unbelief, the enemies of faith. Why? Why? Why does he do this? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. See, the devil doesn't want you to receive your reward. He wants to destroy you. The devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy But Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen? Amen. But see, the devil knows if he can get you to cast away your confidence, he can defeat you. But understand, the devil doesn't have the authority to take your confidence. It says you have to cast it away. And the way you cast it away is by entering into doubt, unbelief, fear, because they're all a result of not trusting in God. Because if you're really trusting in God, then you will not be entering into fear, doubt, and unbelief. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great... Everybody say, great... Recompense of reward. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. He is not a withholder. He daily loads us with benefits. You need to arm yourself with the Word of God in the day that we're living in. You have to learn to respond to the mountains that rise up against you. And that might mean you have to turn off the television and turn off the radio and stop reading that garbage on the internet. Amen. Because it's not the Word of God. And if you're spending more time watching that garbage instead of filling your life with the Word of God, instead of listening to talk radio, just stick in a CD of Pastor Mark. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Say, well, I already have to listen to him on Sunday. And he wants me to come on Wednesday and Bible school on Tuesday and Thursday. What kind of person do you think I am? Can't listen to the same person every day. Well, if you listen to Rush Limbaugh for five minutes, you got the world filled with ditto heads. Be a Pastor Mark ditto head. Amen. I mean, you a lot of people, they believe in the gospel according to Hannity or the gospel according to O'Reilly. The O'Reilly factor. What about the Bible factor? Yeah. I like these guys. I love listening to them. But sometimes they got to shut it off because I can, I can just feel me casting away my confidence. And you know when you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you sense that happening, shut it off. And get your mouth running. If you don't know what to say, then do some studying. Get in the Word of God. Write it down so you have responses to everything that comes your way. Find out what the Bible says about finances. Find out what the Bible says about your physical body. Find out what the Bible says about your marriage and about your family. And get some scriptures. And get them, get them in your heart, fill yourself with them so that when you begin to get tested, you have something to say. Yeah. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. The devil can't take it. That's why that's why Paul said in Ephesians 4 do not give place to the devil. He is defeated. First John says that that Jesus, for this purpose, came to destroy all the works of the devil. You know what that word destroy means? It means melted to a liquid, boiled to a vapor. That's what Jesus did. He melted to a liquid, boiled to a vapor, all the works of Satan. In other words, you can't put them back together. Amen? The works of Satan aren't like Humpty Dumpty. You can't put them back together. He destroyed them. He melted them to a liquid and boiled them to a vapor. Amen? Amen. What are the works of Satan? Sickness, disease, weakness, failure, poverty, debt, fear, depression, anxiety, worry. Those are the works of Satan. And you have authority over them. Amen? And they all oppose your faith. Because the devil knows probably better than every one of us in this room that without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen? Amen? diligently seeking Him does not mean that you're sitting on the couch with a bag of Doritos and a beer. Amen? Sure, you can sit on the couch and eat Doritos, but you better at some point in your day and in your life be seeking diligently the will of God for your life. Don't throw away your confidence. Amen? Don't allow the things that you've heard. Heard, don't abandon them, don't allow yourself to slip. Don't let yourself be like those churches that are written about in the in the in the book of Revelations, where one had abandoned its first love, the other had 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 exalted all kinds of things above the will and purpose of God. But notice in all of those letters that he wrote, all seven of to each city, he began that letter by saying, I know your works. Works are important to God. You're not saved by them, but faith without works is dead. Amen. Let's not fall into that tra- trap of, of saying, well, you know, I have a good heart. I don't always obey God, but I have a good heart. You know, brother so-and-so, he, he's a mess, but he has a good heart. It's not what he said. He didn't say, I know your heart. He said, I know your works. Amen? Or fruit. We should be bearing fruit in our life. In Psalms 118, verses 8 and 9, the Bible tells us that it's better. Everybody say better. better. It's better to put your, your trust in God than to put your confidence in man. Verse 9 says it's better. Everybody say better. Better, better to put your trust in God than to put your confidence in in princes or in the government praise the lord just stop right there but praise the lord amen it's better amen. say better It's better to put your trust in God than your confidence in man, your confidence in politics, your confidence in the economy, your confidence in the medical field, your confidence in the scientific field. It's better to put your confidence in God. Because God will never fail you. God will never let you down. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Trust in God. While you're turning there, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 says, I have set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Now, I don't know about you. For me, that's not a very hard choice. How about you? Life, death, I think I'll choose life. Blessing, cursing, I think I'll choose blessing. Amen? And for for the real stupid people in the body of Christ, verse 19... God tells you what to choose. I didn't call you stupid. But there are—you know, you know there are pretty stupid people out there. He says in verse 19, I set before you life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, some people just don't know any better. They think death is good. They think the curse is good. They think that poverty makes them spiritual. They think that sickness teaches them valuable lessons. The only lesson sickness taught me is that I don't want to be sick. That I don't have time to be sick. Amen? Praise the Lord. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Jeremiah 17:5. Everybody there? Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound very good to me. That sounds like depression. Amen. That that doesn't sound like abundance or increase or anything that Jesus came to bring to humanity. But he says that the man who trusts in man now that that, that, that can mean many things. Where is your trust? Is your trust in your paycheck? Is your trust in the economy? Is your trust in your retirement plan? Is your trust in your job or your boss or your mom or your dad or your inheritance? Where is your trust? Or is it, or is your trust in your ability to be a man? To work hard? I supply for my family. I'm a hard worker. You know, hard work is good. It's important. But is that what you're trusting in? Where is your trust? And I tell you, in the day that we're living in, it's never been more important. Five years ago, it was easier to trust in God. Right? The economy was flourishing. Everything was wonderful. It was easier. But now, when everything around us seems to be falling apart, can we still trust God or did we ever really trust God these are questions we have to start asking ourselves because I'm not I'm not a doom and gloom preacher but my Bible tells me that in in Isaiah chapter 60 that gross darkness covers the earth and gross darkness the people that in the last days will be difficult dangerous perilous times we don't have any guarantee that it's going to get better But the Bible is filled with a remnant of people that even though the world was crumbling and everything was horrible, God provided for His people. He provided for Elijah. He, took, he provided him a, a, a food from a widow. He took him to the brook Cherith and, and he, he drank bread and was or drank water and was fed bread every single day. His need was provided for miraculously. When the children of Israel left Egypt and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, the Bible says their shoes, their clothes, they never wore out. That's depressing to me. <laughs> Wear the same clothes for 40 years. Wow. I know some of you guys do not want matter, <laughs> but 40 years. Think about wearing the same pants for 40 years, the same sandals for 40 years. You're walking in the wilderness. I know how some of your feet smell. <laughs> A 40-year pair of sandals. Woo! It says their shoes, their clothes, they never wore out. God rained down manna from heaven every day. God will do whatever He has to do Amen. if we'll trust Him. Amen. It's better to put your trust in God than to put your confidence in man, to put your confidence in your ability to work. Well, I'll just go out and get three jobs. Well, I'm not that, that could be what you're supposed to do. That could be right. Or it could be that you're trying to do it in your own ability. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. Because He'll lead you. He'll show you exactly what you need to do in the time in which we live. Amen. I don't know, tomorrow it could get better. Next week, next month, it could get better. I remember when we first moved to Italy and, and they changed uh, uh, from the, from the Italia, Italian lira to the, to the euro dollar. Uh, for every dollar, we were getting uh, uh, one euro and 20 cents. It was prosperous times for us. We bought a house, and and, uh, even though our mortgage was in euros, we were paying significantly less in dollars because the dollar was so strong. Well, suddenly the dollar crashed, and we were getting 60 cents for every dollar. I mean, our rent went from 600 and some euros to to, 600 and some dollars all the way up to almost 1,500 dollars just as a result of the exchange rate. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to leave like 80% of the other missionaries that I know because they can't afford to live on the mission field any longer? Am I going to shut down projects? Am I going to pull out of Kenya? Am I going to stop doing television? Am I going to stop doing what God called me to do? Or did God tell me to do this? Am I going to trust Him? It was easy to trust God when the euro was at 1 euro 20. Amen. It's easy. But when it dropped down to 60, then I had to really find out if my trust was in God or if it was in the mighty dollar. Amen? See, we're all we're all at a crossroads in our life and we've been taught faith. We've heard the word of God. We've we've learned to be led by the Spirit of God. And now it's time to live that way. And we will all overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What is faith? It says in uh, Romans chapter 10 uh, uh, the word is near you, even in your mouth. Amen? That is the word of faith that we preach. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, with your mouth you create salvation. You create healing. You create prosperity. You create peace. You create uh, uh, joy with your words. Great example, let the weak say... I am strong. You're creating strength with your words. The Lord is the strength of my life. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I lend and not borrow. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Hallelujah. You've got to begin to speak the Word of God. So he says, Cursed is the man that puts his trust in man and in the arm and makes flesh his arm. Look at verse 7. Blessed is the man. Now that sounds a little bit better. Right? Cursed is the man. Blessed is the man. I prefer blessed. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. You believe that? Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. What's hope? It's a confident expectation. It's a blueprint. Amen. It's a it's a it, it's it's a um a vision of your future based on the Word of God. Are you allowing God to draw a blueprint on the inside of you of your future life? Because hope is like the blueprint and faith is like the men in pickup trucks that show up to build the building. If they don't have a blueprint, they're not going to be able to successfully build the building. You better have a dream. You better have hope in the day that we're living in. If you don't have it, you better get along with God and ask Him to give you a dream, give you a vision for your future. Proverbs 29, 19 says, Without a vision, the people perish. Without vision, we become lazy, unproductive, undisciplined, and we stop bearing fruit in our life. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he, the blessed, shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreads out her roots by the river, and shall not see... When heat comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. See, when you trust God, it does not matter what takes place around you. Because God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. You're going to be like a tree that's planted by the river. And you are going to bear fruit even though everything around you seems to be withering and dying and being destroyed. And see, here's the great opportunity. The Bible says that we're salt and light. And the darker this world gets and the more depressed this world gets and the more hopeless this world gets, it's going to be the people that have Hope, the light is going to draw those people to us. What an opportunity that is. So, what's our responsibility now? Trusting, learning to trust in God. Some of us may have to take a few steps backwards and get back into the Word of God and really diligently learn how to trust in God. Go to Romans and we'll close here. Romans chapter 4. Verse 16, Romans four sixteen. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure. Say that the promise might be sure. sure. It's sure. His promise is sure. To all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Say, Abraham's my father. Amen. Let's continue. Let's go ahead and uh, jump down to verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So we see that in the life of Abraham and Sarah, they have a promise from God. Yet it seems impossible. Doesn't it mean... Abraham's impotent. Sarah's womb is dead. It doesn't look like they're going to be having any kids anytime soon. But they have a promise. And it says, verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded today? Two of you. Let me ask you, are you fully persuaded today? And being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was also able to perform it. See, we have to be fully persuaded that if God says it, we believe it and that settles it. In Hebrews 11, 11, it says that through faith, Sarah herself. So Sarah was involved in this equation as well. Sarah had faith. She wasn't just leaning on Abraham's faith. Sarah also obviously was operating in faith. Because it says, And Sarah also herself, through faith, received strength to conceive seed and bring forth a child when she was past age because she judged God faithful. See, the key was that she received strength. Because if you go back, you can read this in the book of Genesis. Genesis 20, 21. You see that when when Sarah heard the promise, she laughed. She wasn't judging God faithful. She was judging God funny. She thought it was humorous that God would think that she, being the age that she was could bring forth a child. So she judged him funny. But obviously something happened in the life of Sarah that she stopped judging him funny and began to judge him faithful. And when she began to judge him faithful, she received strength to conceive seed. So how is your circumstances going to begin to change? You're going to have to begin to judge God faithful. You have to trust that what God said is more important and more significant and more powerful than what they're saying on the news and on the radio. You're going to have to begin to judge God faithful instead of judging someone else faithful. Praise the Lord. And look at how this story concluded. Genesis 21, 1. Genesis 21, 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. See, that's God. If he said it, he'll do it. Amen. Has God ever spoken anything to you before? Has God ever revealed something to your heart? Ever ever showed you something He wanted you to do? Showed you a place to go? Equipped you to do something, and you just don't, don't doesn't, doesn't seem like it's anywhere near. It actually seems like you're further away today than you were a couple years ago. So what do you do? Do you give up? Do you become hopeless? No, you start judging God faith. You may not know what to say. But all you have to say is, God, you're faithful. God, you're faithful. God, you're faithful. You're a faithful God. What's amazing about God, Romans chapter 3 says, even when you don't believe, God remains faithful. That's amazing. Even when you fall short, even when you fall down, even when you give up, even when you may curse God in frustration, God remains faithful. Because He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never give up on you. When you found God, you found the most faithful friends you could find. Amen. And He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Amen? So if you need strength to overcome the opposition that's in front of you, start judging God faithful. And when you judge God faithful, you won't cast away your confidence. And your reward will stay out in front of you. Run with patience the race that's been set before you, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. Paul did not look at the things behind. He said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep trusting in Jesus. Keep His Word as a a central focus, as the rock, the foundation of your life. And if you'll do that, I will guarantee your success because that's what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every single person in this Room tonight I thank you father that you have, the, have a plan for their life you've given unto every one of them grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ father there's a, a, a calling upon each of us and that is to be conformed to the image of your son you've predestined that we would be and live victorious lives that our life would be a living testimony of the goodness and the glory of God And so, Father, I just ask you today that You would bless Your people, that You would empower them to prosper in every area of their life, in in their finances, in their bodies, in their marriages, in their families, at their workplaces. Everything they put their hands to, Father, I ask You to bless them, bring increase and abundance into their life. And I declare in Jesus' name that this coming year, 2009, will be crowned with goodness and favor and that their path will be dripped with abundance that as they follow the leading of the Holy Spirit you'll lead them to profit you'll lead them to prosper you'll lead them into a good place into a successful place and cause them to step into the abundant life that Jesus purchased for each of them Father bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus And we declare everything that you've spoken, everything that you've said, every dream that you've placed in their heart, we command it to come alive in Jesus' name. We command it to live. We we command it to come to pass and to bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.